Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. chapter, chapter 21, the book of John. The book of John, chapter 21, and we begin reading with verse 3, and Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. And when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for 
disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid there and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to, to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Where art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Or who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto them, or unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. There's two things that I want you to know here in verse 4. It says, But when the morning was now come. And then I want you to notice what it says in verse 17. It says that he was grieved because he said unto him, The third and I want to use as a text here this morning, I want to preach something that I feel very strong upon my heart. I want to preach the rooster crows. The rooster crows. I know that we just celebrated this past Friday, freedom in our nation. And I'm so thankful that I belong to the greatest country nation that there is on the face of the earth. Can you say amen? thankful for those of you that are in this congregation and those that are not here that have sacrificed and paid the price that you pay for our freedom and we celebrated a little bit about that on Friday. Our nation celebrated uh, our freedom and our independence as a nation from tyranny and I'm thankful for it. But I want to talk about something in a spiritual way here this morning. I believe that more people than not need freedom of Christ. And perhaps by what I feel I know that there's people here today that need freedom in this area. Praise God. I'm talking about freedom from guilt, shame, and the past. Praise the Lord.
And I believe that God is able to deliver today. Don't you? Amen. Let's clap our hands once again to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for standing in. You may be seated. Around the turn of the 20th century, a Russian psychologist and physician named Ivan Pavlov performed some groundbreaking experiments that earned him a Nobel Prize. We know that dogs naturally salivate, but Pavlov wanted to see the reaction, and if he could cause a reaction, this same reaction with dogs when they were presented with food, if he could use some other way of stimulating that. And so he continued to ring a bell when he would bring dogs' food to them. And eventually, even without the sight of food or even food being in the area so that they could smell it, just by the ringing of the bell, those dogs would begin to salivate. And Pavlov referred to this relationship as a conditioned reflex. They didn't have to see it. They didn't have to smell it. But just the connection that they made was a reflex. Just the ringing of the bell told them that it's dinner time. And they began to anticipate that they were going to be fed, and therefore they begin to salivate. The fact is that all of us have conditional reflexes. We were just talking about veterans of war. Some of you may have been around people that had conditional reflexes to certain sounds and sights because it reminds them of the brutality of war that they endured. I've been around people that were veterans, and uh, sometimes the loud banging noise of a gun or a firecracker uh, sets off certain reactions within them because it reminds them, and it may have been years ago, it reminds them of war, and so they have a, a reflex to it. I remember upon evangelizing, uh, hadn't been pulling a trailer not very long at all, just starting, and uh, many of you have heard the story of how that a fire broke out in that trailer, and I will not belabor you with the points this morning of all of that and the details, but when that fire took place and I narrowly escaped with my life, a few months later I remember uh, laying in a new trailer and being awakened very frantically in the middle of the night because of a space heater that was there, and when the thermostat on that space heater kicked in, the heat and the brightness reminded me of the explosion that had taken place in that trailer just a few months before. It caused a conditional reflex, and we could go on and on. Maybe you've had the occasion, the embarrassing moment of going to fill up your tank with gas and maybe there was the cell phone that rang or somebody began to talk to you and you forgot that you had not taken the gas pump and put it back in its proper place. Got in your car. Now, I know out of this group of people, there's probably somebody that's done this. I'm happy to say I've never done this. But, but uh, I'm telling you, uh, my day's probably coming with all of the different things that gets on my mind sometimes. And driving off hearing a, a noise, 
rattling behind you and to look and see out your rearview mirror that you've taken off with a portion of the gas pump. And the embarrassment of going back and having to let the gas attendant know what has happened. I promise you from that day forward, you're always going to look in your review mirror every time you pull out of the gas station because it's going to be a conditional reflex. There are certain things that happen that bring us back to moments in our life. No doubt when you smell certain things, it takes you back to moments in your childhood. When you see certain things, it takes you back in nostalgia to certain areas and moments in your life. Can I tell you that this is also true in a spiritual sense as well? When we sin, thank God for that holy and I believe healthy conditional reflex that we call conviction that comes to us and leads us to repentance. When God convicts us of our wrongs, God convicts us of the mistakes that we make and the sins that we commit. And it is my opinion that we need more conviction, not less conviction today. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing bad about conviction. In fact, I think it's very important that we hear preaching that brings about conviction. When the Word of God as a mirror is held up before us and we see things uh, reflected in that mirror that is not exactly right, things and areas of our lives that need to be dealt with and that we need to, to repent of. And, and it's through that conviction, that spirit of conviction that comes that we, we admit that there is some shortcomings and some sin. And the Bible said that godly sorrow worketh repentance. And I'm going to tell you the only way to get forgiveness of sin is to repent of sin. And the only way to feel that you need to repent is to have conviction for that sin. So I'm glad that God does not let us go on our merry way. God does not just let us keep whistling in the dark, fooling ourselves. But God convicts us of our sin. He stirs us up. He doesn't allow us to become comfortable. He doesn't allow us to gloss over it. He doesn't allow us to whitewash it or act like it doesn't exist. You feel that nag upon you when you're in the presence of the Lord that there's things that are not resolved. There's things that need to be taken care of. There's some deeds that have been committed that need to be brought to the altar. And the blood of Jesus needs to cleanse them out of your life. You need deliverance from those things. And conviction brings that to being. It brings that to pass. And it's needful. However, the devil has a counter weapon that he uses, a weapon of choice that he uses against the child of God. And it's not conviction, but it's condemnation. And there is a difference between the two. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction offers hope. Conviction gives you the chance to change. Conviction leads us to repentance which leads us to forgiveness and leads us to freedom from those sins that have been committed. But condemnation leaves you in despair. Condemnation leaves you feeling hopeless. Condemnation leaves you with guilt and shame. And can I tell you that many 
in our world are doing their best to mask this shame and this guilt and these feelings of worthlessness with drugs and alcohol, prescription drugs, and all different kinds of things, trying to mask this condemnation that exists on the inside of their heart, not knowing exactly how to get rid of the guilt. They know that what they have done, because innate within all of us is a God consciousness, innate within all of us from the time of our birth to this very moment, is a God consciousness that that says this is wrong, this isn't right. The more I commit this, the more I do this, the more I follow this this path, uh, the worse I feel, the more shame and guilt that is associated with it. And many people in our world don't know how to deal with it, so they try to cover it. They try to mask it. But aren't you thankful that you can come before God and open up your heart and you don't have to try to mask anything or hide or camouflage anything, but God can take that trepidation away. God can take that fear away. He can take that guilt. He can take that condemnation. He can take that shame that has dogged you all the days of your life and remove it from you. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter the depth of the sin that is committed or how black it is in your mind. God is able to wash it. God is able to cleanse it. God is able to restore you fresh and new. Born again. I've heard a lot of people say, I wish I could go back. Uh, I wish I could retrace my steps. Uh, I wish I could some way reset my life and just start all over again. I wish I could take back some portions of my life that I'm not proud of. And everybody in this room has places in their life. They have segments of their life. They have uh, they have blotches on their life that they wish that they could remove. Can I tell you the greatest detergent for the stain of sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not alcoholism. It's not more drugs. It's not more promiscuous living. It's not another false, amen, hope that is out there, but it's Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ that can wash and cleanse and make you whole from sin. Telling you what, friend, we don't have enough preaching about the blood of Jesus and the power that's in the blood of Jesus. I'm telling you, there's strength in the blood of Jesus. There's power to overcome in the blood of Jesus. The Bible talks about those revelation saints, and it said that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. I'm going to tell you the reason we got a testimony is because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the price that was paid at Calvary for our sins. Amen. The debt that was retired because of Calvary. Amen. I'm here today free from condemnation, able to lift my hands and worship God, not because I and myself am worthy, but because of the blood of Jesus that cleanses and makes me worthy to worship, to give praise, to give thanks unto God. Somebody ought to praise Him this morning that there is now no more condemnation and them that are in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. So condemnation leads to more shame, more despair. It's it's an endless cycle. It's a vicious circle that people get caught up in. It's a vortex that 
sucks people down into further guilt and further problems. And, and it just gets worse. And it piles on greater burden of condemnation and greater burden of despair. And when you examine this story of Simon Peter that I read to you here this morning from through the filter of this experiment that was made by uh, this Russian psychologist, it's very interesting. Simon Peter, after denying the Lord the third time, just as Jesus had told him when he so bravely and courageously stood up and said, I will give my life before I will forsake you. I mean, I'm the guy that stood up to the Roman soldiers in the garden and cut off Malchus's ear trying to stand up for you. None of these, none of these other guys did that. The rest of these fellows, they were afraid. But I drew my sword, and, and the Lord looked at him in this moment when he sincerely meant what he said. I don't believe that he was exaggerating. I believe that he meant every word of it, that there's nothing that's going to cause me to forsake you. There's nothing that's going to cause me to turn back on you. And Jesus looked at him and said, you don't realize the vulnerability of your flesh. You don't realize how fallible that your flesh is, Simon Peter. Can I tell you that before the rooster crows in the morning, you will have denied me three times. And it seemed implausible at all to Simon Peter that this could happen. But when he did, in fact, get caught up in the moment, and it seems like it happens in rapid succession, he is in the palace, and he's sitting there in the courtyard warming by the fire, and he hears someone say, I believe that he is one of them. And he said, no, I don't have anything uh, to do with him. I don't know him. And he denies him. Then he walks outside, and the same thing happens. And then the third time, and one of the gospel writers says, immediately the cock crew. Immediately the rooster crows. And one of the writers gives us this detail, which I think is, is so telling. It says that Jesus was in proximity to him. Jesus turned and looked at him at that moment, made eye contact with him at that moment. And there's something about making eye you, you, you parents, you know what I'm talking about. Your, your little boy or girl, they they. They, 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 they take something they're not supposed to. They get into something they're not supposed to. And, you know, uh, they can tell you all they want to. They had nothing to do with it. Uh, there was a, my, neither one of them's in here today, so I'll be all right. But uh, uh, little Chanel was coming home with her, with her uh, mother from the grocery store, and there was a bag of flour. Well, they got the flour on inside, and there was a hole in it. And uh, it was pouring out, of course. And Chanel, how, how did that hole get? I don't know how it got in there. Well, you was the only one that was riding with it. You was the only one back there, and it looks like a finger's been pushed through on the side of that bag of flour. It's amazing, but you can always tell it in the eye. You can always tell it when you look dead in the eyes of somebody. And Jesus turned and looked into the eyes 
of Simon Peter. Can you imagine the feeling that overwhelmed him at that moment that just as he said is exactly how it's transpired. I've denied him my third time and immediately the rooster has crowed. And here I am. And I, I, I didn't plan on this. I didn't, I didn't predetermine this. I, I never thought this would happen, but it has. And have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered that every time from that moment, every time when the morning hours would come along, when the dawn, the sun would rise, have you ever wondered if Simon Peter, when he heard the rooster crow, maybe even the very next morning, if he didn't have a twinge of guilt, if he didn't feel shame, or if he wasn't painfully reminded, that conditional reflex, that reminds him when he hears that sound of the rooster crowing of what he had done and how he had failed in his greatest failure of his life denying the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, it's not something that was easy for him to escape because in that world, in that time, roosters were everywhere and chickens were a part of life. And and uh, I know it's hard for us to live in the suburbs or live in the city to get our minds around that. There's folks here, you, you know what it is. And when that rooster sees first light, he he stretches out his neck and he he begins to crow. We we recently went down to Sam's and got this fond idea of uh, of getting a, a chicken coop and had one little piece missing on it. But thank God that you send in and we got the piece that was missing. We got it put together and uh, it's sitting out there in the backyard. And I got to thinking, you know what? My neighbor's probably not going to appreciate chickens. And I don't even know. There may be a city ordinance against chickens. I hadn't asked. I figured it would be easier to get forgiveness than to get permission. Praise God. So anyway, I uh, got this chicken coop. We got it put up. And I got to thinking, I, I didn't know for sure. I'm not a country boy. I said, I wonder, is it, is it just roosters that do that crowing? Because I, I don't want anybody to get upset with me. I don't want to be waking my neighbors up on the weekends at, at uh, first dawn, you know. And so I was told that hens would be the most silent type. Every once in a while, you'll get a masculine hen that'll want to crow. But I don't want no masculine hens. I, I want hens that know their place, praise God. And so I don't want any of those masculine type. I want them to, to be real feminine where they'll be quiet. Lay eggs and be quiet. Praise God. And we got kind of picky about our chickens. We want the non-cholesterol type. Green egg laying hens. Praise God. But no cholesterol. You know, there is such a thing, they say. I don't know if it's true or just no wise fable, but we're going to try it out. Praise the Lord. But what am I trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that the Scripture says that Satan goes around as a roaring lion. He prowls about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Can I tell you that I think sometimes that he crows just like that rooster? 
because the Bible says that he's an accuser of the brethren. And every time you get ready in a church service to get some victory, he starts crowing about something that you committed in the past. He starts reminding you of some situation, some area that you made a mistake, something that's already, already beyond your scope or ability to do anything about. You, you, you wish you could go back. You wish you could fix it. You wish you could change it. You wish you could do something about it. But he is the accuser of the brethren. He reminds you of all your shortcomings. He wants to remind you of your mistakes and your failures over and over again. When you attempt to worship God, He reminds you you're not worthy to worship God. When you attempt to exercise faith and step out and believe God for something, He tells you God's not going to do that for you. You remember that rooster crows and tells you. You remember what you did. You remember how you failed. You remember the mistakes of your past. When you desire to be used of God, He reminds you because He knows that if He can get you totally and entirely focused on your past, you'll forfeit your future that you have in God. And you'll never be able to obtain anything in the Lord. Amen. You know, these car seats that they have, and I'm getting into the business again, these car seats that they have, they tell you don't don't face those car seats forward, but face them backwards. And I've always thought about that little baby driving down the road. It sees things that the adults in the front seat has already seen. It's seeing things that's already been driven by. It's seeing things that's really in the past. And that's the only view that it's got. And oh, the joy when they finally get old enough. I remember when Chanel got old enough to get out of that car seat and get into one of those little booster types and to set up high enough to see where... Oh, what a day. It's like graduation. It's like, it's like now I'm mature. Now I'm grown up. And they get to face forward. Amen. You, you, you need to position yourself where you're not looking back all the time. But you're facing forward into the future, into what God can do and what God wants to bless you with and what God has for you. There's some things you'll never be able to redo. There's some things that you'll never be able to go back and take care of. But God is able to help us uh, to face forward in faith and believe God and trust God for our future to be brighter than our dark past. Would somebody say praise the Lord? Would somebody worship him right now? Would somebody give him praise right now? I'm telling you, God is a forgiver. God is a cleanser. And when he cleanses you, he cleanses you perfectly clean. He leaves no residue. There's no stains. Amen. There's no residue of the past. There's no residue of mistakes and failures. But he cleanses you whole. He makes you new again. Oh, somebody ought to praise him for it right now. Somebody ought to worship him for it right now.